a teenage witch, her hair ruffled by the wind, rides her mother's broom through the open skies. A giant robot unleashes molten destruction on the soldiers who have awakened him from centuries of slumber. A travelling warrior becomes infatuated with a feral wolf child in a land scarred by war. A group of young people discover love and loss during their turbulent high school years. A father turns superhero, if only for a moment, when he stands up to a local, a local biker gang. Two elated girls soar through the air inside a grinning cat bus. Its headlights trace the yellow streaks in the sky above the forest. Gods and monsters, love and loss, jubilation and despair. The horrors of war, childhood wonder. Welcome to the heart-soaring, euphoric, whimsical, terrifying, compassionate, above all else, emotional world of Studio Ghibli. I'm Stuart Sutherland and you're listening to Japan on Fire 5. Join me tonight, we've got Ken Brosen. Hello everybody, welcome back to Japan on Fire, finally. Mm-hmm. Our last Japan on Fire was actually, uh, our last episode was released on 20th of February last year. So it's actually like 13 months since our last episode. We've been busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think you, you you wore it out with like, kaiju. I don't think I wore it out, but it was just like, where do we go now? It seemed like, okay, let's go to Yakuza movies. But to be honest, I didn't feel like it. I yeah, wanted to do something really... that felt like woo, super fun beforehand, and that that's what we're doing, I guess. Exactly. Uh, that introduction was actually an extract from uh, the Studio Ghibli book from Camera Books by Colin O'Dell and Michelle LeBlanc. Better give credit to where it's due. Tonight is actually it's sort of like an introduction episode to another short ongoing series of uh, Studio Ghibli-related Japan on Fires. So we did originally plan to like jump right in there and review uh, Laputa Castle in the Sky, but I think we kind of agreed that some background, like some history, really needs to be brought to the table first. Studio Ghibli Inc. or uh, Kabushiki... Oh, man. Uh, Kabushiki Geisha Satoru Jiburi in Japanese is a Japanese animation studio founded in 1985. Man, 1985 is a brilliant year. Like, well, that was a year we got like Mr. Vampire, uh, this brilliant studio starred all these great films and a certain podcast host was born. Man, good year, good year. Wow, what a year. Uh, so, and, yeah. And, uh, and I was in kindergarten picking my nose. <laughs> like, one day, one day, I'll get in contact with a Scotsman. Picking my nose and eating my boogers. <laughs> ah. Ah. So, um, as you can see in the characters and the podcast image we have, and at like the start of every Ghibli film out there, is the large forest spirit, the large forest spirit Totoro, from Hayao Miyazaki's My Neighbor Totoro, an award-winning and acclaimed studio. They won the Animage, a magazine that has closely worked with Ghibli over the years, uh, Anime Grand Prix Award for, amongst others, uh, Laputa Castle in the Sky and the Best Foreign Language Academy Award for Spirit Away in 2002. So the name Ghibli, or Ghibli, I, I'm still undecided how to pronounce it, but it won't be confused with, uh, with anything else, thankfully. And uh, this is what Wikipedia says about uh, the explanation for the, for the word. The name Ghibli is based on the Arabic name for Sirocco, 
or Mediterranean wind, which the Italians used for their Saharan scouting planes in the Second World War. The idea being that the studio, Studio Ghibli that is, would blow a new wind through the Japanese anime industry. Very pretentious, but uh, deserved. <laughs> and <laughs> though the Italian word is actually pronounced with this hard G, the Japanese pronunciation of the studio's name is with a soft G, Jiburi, as the, it's better to say that than the long, complicated name that I'm going to try and butcher as well. Kabushiki Gaisha Sutajo Jiburi. <laughs> yeah, I just cut everything away and just left it with that tag. <laughs> so uh, the studio is like the first generation of uh, directors for the studio come in the form of Hayao Miyazaki, who obviously is known for his work on Spirited Away. Uh, Isayo Takahata, who is known for uh, Grave of Fireflies, and like Uber producer uh, Toshio Suzuki, who's basically produced every single uh, Ghibli feature. The, ma- like, the man's got his stamp on the lot. Hayao Miyazaki's son, Goro, directed his first feature uh, back in 2006, uh, Tales from Earthsea, and is currently working on his next feature, which with the Japanese title uh, Kokuriko Zakakara. And one that I actually hope to have some promise in, another director they have, is a long-time uh, Ghibli animator, uh, Hiro Masa Yabon Bayayashi, who actually started, whose first credit is, a, is as a clean-up artist on Princess Mononoke. And he's now actually directed his first feature, which is uh, Arayati the Borrower, which right, is expected right. to hit this summer. Yeah, so, so at least the date for the Blu-ray in Japan is uh, June. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, one of those uh, I don't know nothing of, but it's kind of sweet with those Japanese Blu-rays. Looking at the covers, they are so simplistic, so you don't know I, anything I know. about the movies as well. The beautiful, like yet simple silhouettes with the text. Yes, and just these great bright colors, like. You bastards, why are they so expensive? <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, the, the, the thing now with animators and stuff like that, uh, uh, rising through the ranks, that, that's very common, of course, in the various animation studios uh, over in the West, in America, you hear. Uh, when you hear directors like at DreamWorks or Pixar talk of their movies, there is always that they started as animators and eventually got, uh, got through the ranks, and they learn at, on the job. Like, exactly. Learn to be storytellers. Learn working for the best. Mm-hmm. And it must be in the sense that really how like Harumasa like gone to like he is he has really actually just worked his way up the ranks. Like he has worked on a majority of the features, but he did start off as just the cleanup artist. So fucking kudos to the guy. Every job is important for these movies. That that's not a shitty job at all. I mean uh the, the, the cells have to be clean. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> uh, but, but I'm sure it, uh, it involves a lot more than that, of course. But uh, every job is important. So uh, the directors already had a long uh, careers in film and television prior. And in the 1985 uh, formation of the company happened after the 1984 film uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, written and directed by uh, Miyazaki for Topcraft and distributed by uh, Toei. Yeah, it's now released under the Ghibli banner, isn't it? I mean, uh, exactly. you see it today you have the Ghibli logo before it, yeah? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It has, 
I'm not sure if it was a sense that they'd done it and they never really had like the name. It was probably the first venture with the with Miyazaki and Suzuki. And I think that that has just been accepted in the group. Like a lot of the films over here in the UK have been released with very similar artwork mm-hmm. covers to try and fit like their past movies into like the current collection because uh, Optimum handle the UK DVDs and they do have like when the the DVDs are on your shelf they all have the silver label right. and then it's a colour patch in the middle which is the colour scheme for the cover with just the movie's title and then it has like the little Totoro and a number right yeah it's so cool to have that right away it's assembled. like that that's that like itch it's like I need to get the collection I need to get the collection like you just feel <laughs> that itch it's like fuck they've got me like these beautiful covers and it's like and like there's a collection there's numbers it's like and it's got to look so nice when it's put together but they have released things like uh, is it Norse the Horse Prince uh, Caso Cagliero like they've released in the same style but they don't have the number but it just still looks nice in the collection. But <laughs> I think my f- I think we all learned a lesson when me and my friends uh, got hold of uh, Go Panda Go, which was one uh, an early feature, but it just didn't work. Right. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. But, but but without going in depth on uh, Nausicaa, is it uh, is it for for anyone who for for someone who wouldn't know and anything but. The fact that oh these studio Ghibli movies are like, and they watch Nausicaa. Is it very recognizably Ghibli in style? Where's the leap from Nausicaa to Laputa, for instance? Huge. I could say in the sense, of course, they're two completely different movies, but it's it still has like the great soundtrack from another like from Joe uh, Hayashi. I think that's how I pronounce the name. I've still never mastered it. Like I'm. Fuck, actually, I'm saying that, and I might not actually be credited for it, so I should really check that before I go uh, blabbering. But uh, that was the film that turned me and my friends into like hardcore fans. Like They'd never seen any Ghibli movie before. Uh-huh. And I was trying to coax them into seeing like, uh, Spirited Away, but I just had a rental of uh, Nausicaa. And I put it on, and it does. It has a sci-fi feel, and it's like there's a lot... Out like a lot going on so it's like this might be pretty hard but by the end of it it's like everyone was like fuck that was that was fucking that was a fucking good film like this like you don't think like Japanese animated film from like early 80s like you don't think it it actually rocks your world for like that one day ah he was on it I also watched a video of him the other day and it was actually pretty cool because he was actually uh, a musician as well as a conductor mm-hmm. like it was uh, Hell's Moving Castle and he was playing the piano for like the main theme and then there's just a whole orchestra around him it's like damn that is awesome it does it does have like a lot of themes that do relate to more movies in the Ghibli universe like there, there's like a lot of ongoing wars between this, that, and the next thing where mm. it's like sort of armed forces are coming down and people always escaping from someone, and it does. It always like it really has to revolve around like the world. This is something because it like it always feels like the the 
stake like the world's at stake. Mm-hmm. And it is that it has been years and possibly because I have I've probably only watched the film once or twice because again it it got shown uh, every once in a while on like British television, like on film four. And they they still do nowadays. I think we David mentioned on our Facebook last week that uh, Kiki's Delivery Service was getting shown on Channel Four. Like they have the rights to all those movies over here, so it's it is it's great that these films are that widely accessible. Oh, you're so lucky, man. I mean, there, there's nothing <laughs> there, there's nothing like that going on on television. That would be so lovely. And even if they do show that. Or even good movies, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not cynical. Of course, they show good movies on, on regular hours. But some, you know, really classic movies like Brazil was on. You know, which could be argued to be kind of a rooted in anime. It has very fantastical imagery, mm-hmm. and it's on like 2 a.m. at night <laughs> on a mm-hmm. fucking Friday. You know, uh, going on Saturday. Nah, oh, that, that happens here as well. Like, yeah, man, I don't want to say Let's channel. Dance and fucking Talent and any fucking Idol. That's the only movies, man, but uh, <laughs> the TV is what it is. I, I don't care. I have these movies elsewhere, so I'm not relying on TV. But it's kind of cool. Like, sometimes you, sometimes I want to just say to someone at work, you know, at 8 p.m. tonight, there's a good movie on. And But, you know, that's not going to happen. No, no. 8 p.m., it's Idol. It's Friday. Mm. Aye, it's 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 really the same for us in some ways. Like we do get films shown here a lot more than I guess you would for like Sweden, but um, they do get the same treatment after a while. Where the nine o'clock movie is gonna be Fight Club, and by the time that finishes at one o'clock, you might get Kung Fu Hustle or House of Flying Daggers. And they do usually have like horror seasons, and they'll have the main horror movie like uh, the the Descendants or something. Mm-hmm. They have that playing, and then they'll have the host playing at ten past two after it. Mm. So were you referring are to there. the uh, Descent, by the way? That might be it. Yep, the yeah. curb, uh, the cave movie, whatever. Yeah, exactly. They'll go for the more mainstream film that more people will watch at the right time. And then, like for the people that hopefully are still awake by the time that's finished, like you've got like the host or you've got old boy coming on for the nerds. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> but uh, there's these great times where you could flick on the channel at like ten o'clock and you're like, holy shit! It's like it's bang in the middle of Inferno Affairs, and you're like, I need to stop everything that I'm doing and watch. Uh, and, and has it been the same with? Uh, I mean, Kiki's Liver Service currently, without looking it up, do you think they they're going to show it at a uh, at a premium slot, or they're going to bury it late late on a Friday or something? Um, I think it's actually going to probably be in real afternoon, like a three o'clock show. By the time it's finished, it's time for their main programming to come on. Right. Okay. Because there's no way it would dominate like an evening showing. Like these films are really going to be on early, like early afternoon, or fucking like midnight slot. Hmm. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, it's not. It's nothing to that we can't change. I mean, the programming is so essential to get, so to say, right. And you, uh, you can't uh, take a chance on wild cards like mm-hmm. foreign movies uh, at uh, when 
all the families are sitting down to just have easy entertainment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Including the, in movies, you know. So I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm not gonna argue against it, but I kind of feel shitty when they do over here anyway. When it's like one classic movie that's so fucking classic and all that. The Videodrome was on uh, some some months ago. The David Cronenberg film. Weird mm-hmm. as hell. It shouldn't be showed at 8 p.m. Or 8 p.m. or anything. But you know, not that 3 a.m. at night. Damn, mm-hmm. damn it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, whatever. Rant mm-hmm. over. Aye. So we we talked about distribution, and uh, as uh, Stu mentioned, uh, mentioned that Nausicaa was uh, distributed by Toei uh, before uh, Ghibli uh, before Ghibli was formed and all of that. And in in Japan, many of their works are distributed by Toho, though, while the Walt Disney Company holds the right for the output of uh, Ghibli's that did not prior had international distribution. For instance, I don't know when it's like now, but at one point my neighbor, my neighbor Totoro was uh, a Fox property, but also shared, uh, I think anyway, but I know it was shared with Troma Video, the people that brought you the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> they, they actually got it, they had uh, distribution rights to my neighbor Totoro, uh, and, which was kind of cool back in the day. Any new Ghibli movie is uh, handled by Walt Disney today. But you had a story at at one point when Princess Mononoke was in the bidding war for distribution rights. Uh, it was not clear that Walt Disney's company was going to get this. Only former Miramax co-chairman Harvey Weinstein was bidding on the rights for this 1998 movie. But he suggested, lo and behold, the re-edits to make it more marketable. And apparently, in response, Hayao Miyazaki sent a genuine katana with a simple message attached to it. No cuts. <laughs> Which is pimp as hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and, and this is their policy, really, when selling their movies abroad. They have actually are big enough and good enough to say, like, we only accept good treatment of our movies, you know. Uh, they're not one of these sellers that are glad as long as it's sold. And of course, it's you know it's within you know buyers' rights to do what they like with their property. But Studio Ghibli are very much in control, though, that the works need to be maintain- maintained, the integrity of it needs to be maintained, and the cutting is one such thing that they won't accept. And it's a successful kind of stance because. No one really is complaining about the fact that these movies are way too long and too pretentious and should really have half an hour cut out of them to make it more marketable. Shit, no. Everybody loves mm. them at two hours and, or, and what have you, and whatever length. But uh, 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 as I said, it uh, has therefore attracted viewers and box office, and most important of all, as Stu has talked about many times, Hollywood stars doing the English dubbing tracks. Uh, and I should stop there. Uh, some movies, some older movies, has actually older English dubbing tracks produced at the time uh, for international distribution prepared in Japan or Hong Kong. That was very common. So, Kiki's Delivery Service, for instance, has an old dub and a Walt Disney dub. But uh, no- nowadays, you know, it attracts stars like Kirsten Dunst, Christian Bale, Billy Crystal, Matt Damon, Liam Neeson, Tina Fey, Anna Paquin, and Kate Blanchett. You know, what a roster. It's amazing. Like the amount of known actors that have actually stepped into like the Ghibli booth 
provided their voices and such work. And there is another way to reach an audience, this great audience out there. When you find out, like Anne Hathaway, is voiced on like an animated movie called like The Cat's Return. Mm-hmm. Like that's that must spark interest to someone. Marketing like man, marketable. Exactly. Like you slap like the fucking big names on the cover, and it will it will catch attention. Like. How the hell they fucking overuse Yin Wu Ping for every martial arts movie that comes out in America? Huh. Yeah, I mean, but, but he, here's the thing: I'm sure there was a journey for Walt Disney to attract the the attention and like uh, wanting to spend the money on this. You know, they didn't do that at the start, but I think a logical point of like, here we go. It's marketable now. Was the Academy Award for Spirited Away? Uh, because if I remember correctly, that wasn't like a star dub as such. I mean, they had notable actors. Uh, uh, the guy uh, from here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the guy. The, the guy from the the, chi- the Shield, and who was in uh, Fantastic Four. He uh, played. Uh, he, uh, he he was a voice in Spirited Away. Uh, but um, you know. <sighs> What a well-researched show! But uh, <laughs> actually, one of these great like the thing we should mention is there's great resources online. Uh, one website, uh, onlineghibli.com, uh, do have this great thing like for their film archive. They do like have uh, characters like let's see, I've clicked on Spirited Away and it's brought up your characters, and there's also a list of the English dubbers as well as the Japanese voice artists. Right. So it does have. Plenty of, of like, unrecognizable faces, or less like Cliff from Cheers. <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah, but it's quite wonderful. And now, you know, they seem to be able to attract the Hollywood stars easily for each and every product. But uh, hopefully, it will continue like that dedication to the dub. And yes. Because there, there has been dedication to the dub. Uh, I mean, House Moving Castle with Christian Bale and Billy Crystal and all that. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And, you know, cl- class actor doesn't always have to mean like a class performance in the voice booth. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Bale and everyone came through. Ponyo dub I haven't heard, but uh, obviously has a lot of talent uh, on that one. So, so hopefully yeah. when the l- next ones come out and the next four or five after that, it won't turn into like a fashion statement you know, for the market only, but no effort behind the marketable mm. product. So, but 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 then again, we're coming back to the thing that Ghibli do control uh, their movies still, and I'm sure they have a say in the dub. You know, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. To what extent? I don't know. Obviously, the language barriers where it is, but still, uh, I think they they're not going on vacation whilst Walt Disney are doing their company are doing their thing. I think they're heavily involved. Should be, anyway. Today, there are uh, 16 produced Ghibli features, excluding uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, uh, co-productions, and various shorts. Latest at the time of speaking being the Borrower Variety, uh, with uh, two more projects announced. So, uh, significant achievements in the studio's history include Kiki's Delivery Service and the first real box office success in Studio Ghibli's history. Porco Rosso achieved the highest grossing film of Japan in 1992. The first Miyazaki feature, not the first Ghibli feature though, uh, to use computer graphics and the first 
Ghibli studio feature to use digital colouring was uh, Princess Mononoke. So uh, the pinnacle of the studio, uh, Spirited Away, has like a significant amount of achievements. Uh, it was like the first uh, Miyazaki feature to be shot using a 100% digital process. Uh, the first film to gross uh, 200 million US dollars uh, worldwide before actually opening in North America. Uh, the film was the only anime film to win an Academy Award for Best Animated Feature in 2002. And uh, the film <laughs> won a crowning achievement. Uh, the film finally overtook Titanic at the Japanese box office, becoming the top grossing film in the history of Japanese cinema. Took a few years, but finally, <laughs> finally, you could beat Titanic, mm-hmm. which is, uh, by the way, still a shit movie. So, ah, <laughs> uh, so that is really like the crash course to Studio Ghibli. Like some, like I'm positive, majority of our facts are correct, but I might have gotten the occasional credit wrong. But Jesus, like, come on, you're listening to a podcast here. Uh, we're not scholars and never will be. We're, we're in it for the fun, but uh, in order to for you out there to have fun, we thought uh, a little bit of background on what the hell we're talking about when going into all these uh, weird, uh, weirdly named movies, if you will. They have uh, some weird names in them for good reason, though. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're cool that way. And it is kind of good in the sense that when you actually do, do like your homework for this, when you like, sit and read across it, like... You, you can sort of learn more things and you just tend to actually appreciate the studio more or hell yes hell yes mm-hmm. uh, it, w- what we'll discuss during this series is I guess a sort of the visual design and that's the aspect I've been totally fascinated by the various things they were influenced by all over the world to create their world that's that rocks that mm-hmm. absolutely rocks hey, you know including Swedish uh Influences for Kiki's Delivery Service. Uh, they they were uh, uh, on an island called uh, Gotland, and they were inspired kind of by the coastal town design in that, among mm-hmm. other things. So it's so so fucking cool that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably the best time to actually throw out uh, what was like your introduction to the madcap world of Studio Studio Ghibli. It was actually Spirited Away. Which mm-hmm. uh, I guess makes sense. Widely distributed movie and all of that. And uh, to be honest with you, I, I do like it, but I don't think I was prepared for it. I, I knew it was acclaimed Academy Award. Everybody loves it, but it was. I think I was kind of shocked that the movie had the kind of imagery it did because it kind of freaked me out, but still not at the same time because the monsters in the bathhouse and the world, the girl is kind of sucked into. It's just weird, man. It's absolutely weird, and it's bound to be frightening, yet not. And I was kind of not prepared for it. I did like it, but it was there was no love for it. It was uh, it it was a very filled experience. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it was kind of like, look at that, look at that. Ooh, that's so good. Like, man, the parents turn into pigs. That's creepy. But it's kind of funny too. And those monsters look scary, but they're kind of not. Because this world isn't designed to be scary, it's just, it's what it is. And uh, mm-hmm. so that's one I want to rewatch uh, now after a few Ghibli movies under my belt, uh, because I'm now definitely prepared for the kind of just style and expressions and his storytelling. 
uh, and the kind of worlds you're possibly thrown into because with many of these I don't know what I'm gonna expect at all I mean a movie like House Moving Castle yeah there's a moving castle but still you don't know what kind of worlds you're going to be thrown into and that I think rocks you know going in cold for once <laughs> you know in the in the world of internet where movies are discussed so ex extensively it's hard to go into movies cold but uh, it's been that way with uh, Ghibli for me and it's been absol uh, absolutely wonderful and uh, you know m m my brief history of anime is is kind of weird too because some out there may may be curious about what my preference in anime is and it's not what you think you know, I don't like the demon porn, the hentai <laughs> you know it in concept that would fit Sleazy K and all of that but I, I watched one of those and it, uh, albeit censored it was a UK release uh, um, a friend of mine recommended Urutsukutoyi <laughs> and man, it was just man. It's not interesting watching this guy like masturbating in the beginning of the film. You have cum shots and all of that, and and the demon porn. I don't find this interesting, and and I don't find the regular like porn interesting either. With the little schoolgirls with the big boobs and all of that, it's just not interesting. And what what I've gotten on board with are rather like the mix of extreme violence in Fist of the North Star, and like the intellectual stuff in what you can gather from it uh, the, the, these two movies that I'm going to mention are hard to understand but I love Ghost in the Shell Akira you know for both visual style because they, they, they are jaw dropping I mean this hand drawn animation that you can get this stuff out of hand drawn animation is just incredible absolutely incredible and uh, Ghost in the Shell I can never speak of afterwards because I don't remember I don't remember the film it's so high on ideas Mm -hmm. that I forget about it each time kind of but I always kind of understand it when I'm watching it you know it has like Tandia's own life death artificial intelligence and soul but it's okay to wa watch it for the visual splendor of it all as well uh, but but uh, so, so Ghibli is still I'm fairly new to it I think I'm like five movies in which sounds like a lot but I'm still like I'm watching them every now and again and for this show this is my opportunity to gain a whole lot more knowledge and respect and experiences from the catalogue. I mean, uh, the, the the movies that we're going to discuss eventually in later episodes, like, like Laputa, Castle in the Sky, was, mm -hmm. you know, great to watch as part of this show. You know, it, it's as relaxed, if not even more relaxed than just watching it by yourself. I, I like doing it as kind of work but not but not work really mm -hmm. and, and 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 after all you know as much as i love doing like you know this week in sleaze stuff that i'm familiar with and do research on these are my favorite shows to do when we talk about movies i probably wouldn't see uh based on like my own purchasing habits but you know the, the first thing i think of when shopping for dvds and blu-rays ghibli it's not that it's absolutely <laughs> not that. So this gives me an opportunity to finally sit down with certain movies. So key aspect, people, if you want Ken to sit down and watch a movie, ask him to do a podcast about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so so this and What's Korean Cinema has been my absolute favorite shows to um, to prepare for and do lately. Absolutely. It's been absolutely wonderful. So um, 
I, I, I can't thank you enough for introducing me to certain movies too and continu continuing to introduce me to certain movies. <laughs> now, what was your like introduction to Ghibli and what are your f thoughts on anime in general? Being from the UK where anime is still very strong has been for a few decades now. Mm -hmm. um, I can never remember if we did discuss this on our first set of anime shows. If this is really like your introduction to our Japan on Fire podcast, do uh, go back a few episodes and take a look at our uh, anime specials on uh, Paprika, uh, Blood Last Vampire. Right, yeah. this is when we were actually uh, the Magnuson trio with uh, the the third wheel, Mike Banner. So it's been put, but that's Impact's quote, not our quote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, as I'm not sure if we did a, a roundtable discussion on how we got into it, but basically, I really got into it. Well. I got my first taste in high school, and it, it was I was really it's like that case where people's passing around a VHS copy of Akira mm -hmm. just by saying this is going to be the fucked up shit you've like never seen before, mm -hmm. and so you go home and watch it, and you're like, you're right, that was pretty fucked up, and Jesus, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Then you pass when it on that movie the... turns, you know what I mean, when that guy gets consumed with whatever he's consumed by. Aye. And you basically took it back to school the next day and passed it on to the next guy in the class. So it was really like that, like how you got into it that way. But I never followed it from there. I just took that as a, that's a fucked up movie, and I moved on. Yeah. That was really at a stage where... When it came to Asian cinema, uh, I never went further than uh, the Bruce Lee box that I had. Mm -hmm. I had like the old like VHS tapes that had all the nunchuck scenes cut out, <laughs> and still thought they were brilliant movies. Yeah, that's rock. That rocks. That's cool. I can't think. Possibly the next time was years, 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 and years later. Maybe about th four or five years ago, when I uh, basically picked up. Oh well, no, I think there was a time where a friend had tried to make me watch a movie and I think it was just like, it was either called Devil Man or Devil Woman. Yeah, that's and, Devil Man anime. Uh, yes, anyway. uh, and she put it on and there was like rape and there was angels and there was devils and I was like... Yeah, that, I was old, like, that old chestnut. I was like, you watched some fucked up shit, right, come on, let's watch WrestleMania 12 again. <laughs> and it didn't work, but... Yeah. um. Ghibli really came about as exactly the same as you can win. Um, the amount of exposure this movie got, it's like I was knee deep in my Hong Kong cinema at the time and I just remember I think it was like an afternoon after college and I was in HMV and there was uh, Spirited Away and it, it was a damn good price, it was on like £5 and like shit that's like, ah, fuck it, I'll bite the bullet, I'll give this one a chance, just because the price had just dropped to, like, more than, it was something like 12 99 a week before, mm. and then suddenly jumped to £5, like, fuck it, why not? Yeah. And, to be honest, I, like, it kind of, like, it opened your eyes in a sense, like, not every anime that comes out of Japan isn't this tentacle rape, that isn't this post-apocalyptic steampunk universe, mm. like, it isn't fucking sci-fi centric like this was really different and I felt like 
man, this movie's slow. I wonder when the tentacles are going to burst out. Anyway. <laughs> it's like Academy it's like, Award winning. <laughs> I'm sitting, I'm lying there watching. It's like the girls just really like they're moving and they get lost and they're like, oh, where do we go? It's like, man, this film's a bit slow. And then it it turns and the great thing like when. The, the the feast and the parents transform into slobbering pigs and it's like what the it does it blows your mind in the sense that you're not being grossed out but you become engrossed in a sense like it's a weird mixture that I don't know how they pulled up because it's bound to be creepy as hell and scary but yet not <laughs> I don't know how he did it it's just a magical balance I I don't I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> And you did. I just feel like you get engrossed in it, this great story, and it's it, it's a huge film. It's a long film, but every minute in that film is vital. It is is every minute's essential viewing. Hmm. And you know, running time was never an issue for me. I don't remember it being a long movie. It's just one of those. You mm-hmm. know, as, as I explained, the experience was yeah different. And from there, it really just became like a, a real hunt to find the rest. And of course, you really got to test the waters by having like rental services like Love Film. And it gave me the chance to basically rent the whole collection. And now I have. I've seen them all. And I've bought most of them. And as I mentioned earlier, I still kind of have that itch to kind of just buy the rest just to fill the fucking 1 to like 16... <laughs> collection is like oh, I would look really good on the shelf if I had them all uh, did, did I did Optimum put out all 16 features um or, or you just mentioned 16 because we uh, talked about 16 uh, earlier that they produced 16 there's a possibility I think if I could remember How's Moving Castle came out as number 14 so okay. that I might have missed because it was just like over the past year things like uh Panda Go Panda like came out and I don't think that actually received the number but right, that is right. considered a Ghibli film but it's sort of like it's two half hour shorts really on top of one another. Right, there are no features there. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Mm-hmm. So but the majority of them did all like they all like everything for like Whispers of the Heart to uh, only yesterday did get their proper UK treatment like some of them didn't get an English track because, like, only yesterday was only really just, it was just like a drama about a woman remembering her childhood. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really need the all-star dub. No, I mean, if a dub was produced, that might have been back then, whenever movie that was, uh, whenever year that movie was made, and it's not uh, possibly easy to obtain the old export dubs, and, and possibly not needed either for market purposes, you know, because. Uh, People will probably think maybe less of the movie if it's dubbed, if it's a serious movie in intent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the Grave of the Fireflies may didn't have a dub on the on the DVD, as far as you know. What um, it uh, did. The one oh, I right. watched right. did have a dub. Oh, there you go. So, but uh, it, it was sort of like a really just like a standard dub. It wasn't like Daniel Day Lewis and fucking one of the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, uh, probably probably an old export dub, which is not. You know the the worst thing. When I say produced in Japan and maybe Hong Kong, mm. uh, th- that was like a common thing for Godzilla export dubs, uh, but they weren't like super shitty, just because of that. But but <laughs> it's clear 
when the dubs are redone, as we discussed on the Japan of Ice with the monster movies, the redone dubs in America by Titra, they were in a league of their own compared to the export dubs. And same with Disney, obviously. Because what you need to do with these dubs is not, is not just translate the Japanese script. You need to sit down with it and basically maybe rewrite the whole movie to suit English dialogue, English language. Mm-hmm. And, and some of these export dubs, I think, considering the time, uh, the quick uh, turnaround for these, they, they probably were very literal translations sometimes, um, to, you know, just to get it, uh, get them done, rather than to like uh, reinvent the script to suit the the different language. So, so I think uh, that surely is the case, regardless of the working process with the Walt Disney dubs, uh, company dubs, and all that, you know. There's no shortage of amazement when uh, when listening to to them. It's as you know, smile-inducing and heartbreaking as uh, as in Japanese and all that. Yeah. So uh, that was really like my introduction from there. And thinking, what else could we cover? Well, there's, we've... A new, well there's a new medium to collect on now. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um... Fuck DVDs, man. Your numbered DVDs—they're obsolete. Bring well, on the blues. The fifty the... quid. Blues. <laughs> yes, and actually, the United Kingdom is getting its own versions of the Blu-rays. Right, right, right. It, there's a well, so far, Nausicaa Valley of the Winds has been out on Blu-ray. Let me rattle on to Amazon because uh, soon to follow, there is a dual release of uh, Laputa and uh, My Neighbors. The Yamadas. Exactly. Hopefully they will use the same. I've only seen the Laputa costume in Sky Blu-ray from Japan, which is English subtitled and all that. And I've ordered that as well. I, to, to be honest, I'm going to be very, very honest here. I watched a download of Laputa first, and uh, without spoiling what I thought of the movie fully, uh, right after I finished it, I ordered the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And not because I felt bad, because I wanted it. <laughs> and uh, and it was kind of cool because they included like uh, I I I could have bought like a regular one, uh, of course uh, that was released in the UK and all that. But I liked the fact that they had the original export dub on it, uh, which was kind of cool. It's not out on any other Western DVD, so mm. I thought that was kind of cool uh, actually to have. And uh, I'm I'm happy to spend a little bit if I can on something I like. So. Um, so, so hopefully when he reaches the UK, they can use the same marvelous-looking uh, uh, transfers. At least in the case of Laputa, uh, from mm-hmm. from the Blu-ray, it looks absolutely great. Like you know, like a like a cartoon, very like a detailed cartoon. You know, a drawing in front of you, and that's mm-hmm. what it should feel like. Exactly. It really is when it comes to our UK releases of both. Films, uh, yes, they're they're due for the release on uh, May 9th. But as far as I know, I don't think they went to actually any extra length uh, special features wise, because they are being released, but it's under the banner of a uh, double play. So you will be getting your Blu-ray copy and your DVD copy. Right. Okay. So it's possible, and this is the time where like you'll get those reviews online where we'll have the comparison shots, and you will see a difference. Yeah, but then again, I'm not that infatuated with Blu-ray when I say, like, you know, Ghibli can only be watched on Blu-ray right now. It's just, it's wonderful when you see it, but if you if you watch the DVD the day after, say, movie, 
no <laughs> problem at all. You know exactly. So it's it's not uh, it's not that. It's just so wonderful to have though uh, a film presented well on a new format. You know. And hopefully, if this is really like your introduction to Studio Ghibli as well, hopefully, we'll, like follow our advice along the way and like we're covering uh, La Pia Castle in the Sky for our first episode. So if you haven't seen it, feel free to watch it ahead of time so you could be like clued up with our discussions and throw in your opinions when you see the film finally and yeah, it's all about feedback. That's all we thrive on. <laughs> mm-hmm. If there's no feedback, the show will die. <laughs> but seriously, even just like our status on Facebook. Please. Anything. It's like a fix. Like an appreciation fix. How um, how <laughs> we turned weird in year three. <laughs> <laughs> For future episodes, we'll look into maybe finding like a guest or two to hop on. It might be like a voice from the past or we might actually seek out into new wars and bring on a, like a, a fresh guest you never know but um, look out for some great discussion on Studio Ghibli in the future this is us, it, it feels weird really not talking about a movie but it's, it's, it's in the case in the future is that now we could really just jump right into it, of course our schedule is really like yeah, um, it's our, shit, yes <laughs> no, our, our schedule is uh, pretty much all over the shop, we are Really, we do like to still mix up our uh, viewing schedule. No, our 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 show schedule. Like we are going to throw in an occasional podcast and fire, and we have announced our uh, next what's Korean cinema, and we have we have taken a a significant period off air, really at the moment to cover uh, our benefit podcasts for the Japanese tsunami and earthquake like relief funds mm-hmm. so it may sound like we have been off line or off air for uh, maybe like a, maybe a month now but like a lot of work has been happening in the background so for all our latest updates make sure you're tuned in to us on our website podcastandfire.com uh, Facebook just google Facebook Podcast on Fire you'll find us we've not got one of the fancy addresses just yet and you could also follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. So I've been your host for this evening. I'm Stuart Sutherland. Kenneth Wilson. And we'll speak to you next time.